Welcome to the Bible Mind Podcast, where we seek to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and to see everything in life from a biblical mindset. Hi everyone, this is Theophilus and I want to talk about this mass shooting that happened in Boulder, Colorado. Most of you probably already know. Yeah, 10 people were shot in a King Super and the guy who did it, he is not white, but he is Muslim. And so that's a pretty big situation right now. And not that I am an expert and I can break everything down, but I have followed this type of situation for a long time as far as Muslims entering into the West, to Europe and also to America. I just have some thoughts about it, not that I'm right about everything because I only see in part and everybody else, they have different angles by which they see things. So I I just want to put it out there today because I think that this is now the elephant in the room and I challenge myself to look at today's events and our society today from a biblical perspective. In saying all that, I just want everybody to know that my heart is heavy because this is a horrible thing. Whenever it happens, it's horrible. First of all, we need to just slow down and not allow the situation get too quickly politicized because 10 people are now dead and they are gone from this earth. And we oftentimes step over that and we join our bandwagon and try to assert our agenda. And that's something that I just really want to encourage myself and everybody else, like, let's just slow down and let's think about there are people who have experienced incredible loss. Let's think about their families and let's pray for them and all the grief that they're going through right now. I want to preface what I'm saying with a couple of things. One, there's a passage in Ezekiel 33 that talks about watchmen on the wall. And I feel like God calls certain people to be watchmen on the wall for various nations. There are watchmen on the wall for America, and they do discern certain things. They do see certain things that other people do not see. Why? Because they're standing on a wall and they're looking out over the horizon and they're seeing what's coming up over the horizon. So people who are busy in the city, doing their jobs, doing everything else, they may not see those dangers because they're not tasked to stand on that wall to look out for those dangers. I want to just bring up Ezekiel 33. You can read that on your own, but it's a pretty heavy duty responsibility and charge that God has given Ezekiel. The thing is in our modern day society, we don't like the watchman. We don't like it when the trumpet is blown. Somebody once compared it to the rooster crowing at sunrise. Maybe you want to sleep in. Maybe you do not want to be awakened. And so when the rooster crows, it's more of an annoyance than anything else. So people choose to minimize that role of the watchman. Oftentimes they disregard those warnings. When God gives us revelation and discernment, we often see from a different perspective. So when the watchman blows his horn, people are like, I don't understand what you're saying. That's a conspiracy theory. It seems foreign because the rest of the world is saying this other thing, which is the mainstream narrative. So somebody else comes on the scene and they are saying, no, it's not like that. It's like this. As a reminder, 98% of the world's media is liberal and leftist. And they basically parrot the mainstream narrative throughout all of their channels. 
For example, I was listening to the radio about this mass shooting in Boulder. The radio talk show hosts, they were trying to do two things. One, they tried to explain why the shooter's name wasn't given out that soon. They said that it's because they wanted to scrub the person's social media accounts, make sure that they got their information right, etc. But then the other radio broadcast host basically said, well, no, they did release his name, but it's not important to share his name right now. And I was like, okay, you're giving me all this information, but you don't want to share his name. Like, why don't you want to share his name? We, as the American public, we have a right to know. So there's something to that that was a little bit of a question mark in my mind. And secondly, they also wanted to try to explain why the police didn't rush in to the store as quickly as they could have. So I just want to talk about both of those things. The first one, when they didn't give his name. When the suspect was thought to be white, then the media was all over it because it followed one of their mainstream narratives and agendas. White people are bad, with a capital B. But when it was discovered that the suspect was Muslim, then all of a sudden there's no real quote-unquote reason why he was doing this. It was a senseless crime and it wasn't really considered a hate crime. And they didn't really want to promote the fact that he had a Muslim name and he was discovered to be Muslim. So why is that? One, the mainstream media has an agenda to promote gun control because they've been pushing for that for quite some time now. And mass shootings are a major way to get people to be afraid and to just say, yeah, let's give up our guns because we don't want this sort of thing happening again. But yet the majority of gun owners are responsible and they have their guns to protect their families and their home. And oftentimes when a responsible gun carrier is in the midst of a mass shooting, then fewer people get shot and killed because they act quickly and they can take down the shooter. And that's happened recently with the whole church situation. The church service was filled with 240 people, but the gunman was only able to shoot down two people before he was shot down by a volunteer member of the church's security team. And that happened in a Texas church back in 2019. So gun control is really being pushed by the Democrat party right now. One major reason for the Second Amendment or the right to bear arms is to protect ourselves from a rogue totalitarian government that's trying to take over. That happened back in Nazi Germany. Of course, Hitler took away the guns first and left the society defenseless. And this mass shooting is another exhibit A of what happens when people are not able to defend themselves from others that mean to do them harm. So besides gun control, the other agenda or narrative that they try to push is that Islam is peaceful. That any criticism against a Muslim would mean that that person is Islamophobic. And our politically correct society has made it so intimidating to where nobody can say anything against anybody, even somebody that is suspicious and has violent tendencies like this person is said to have had back in high school even when he had threatened to kill people for what he thought were attacks against his Muslim faith. So you have two of their mainstream narratives in conflict with one another. One, having guns is bad, so mass shooting is bad. And then the other is, but Muslims are a protected minority and we need to maintain that they are peaceful. So now these two things are clashing against one another. And so what did they do? They promote the mass shooting part, but 
but they downplay, they totally minimize and even try to erase the fact that this guy was a Muslim. And also scrubbing his social media account where he probably posted some things that could be very incriminating right now. We need to just see how the media plays a part in trying to influence our society through these different events. They want to present the event in a certain way so that we perceive it in a certain way. It's filled with manipulation and the promoting of their agendas. In any religion, you have those that are more radical than others. And radical has been made to be a bad word. I mean, in Christianity, to be a radical Christian is a good thing. And actually, radical Christianity, according to Jesus, is normal Christianity. So when I mean radical Christianity, I mean living by the word of God, submitting your life to God, surrendering to him completely, and allowing Christ to live in you and through you. But radical Islam or extremist Islam can hurt a lot of people. And we know that from ISIS and all the terrorist attacks that have been committed in the name of Allah. And I'll speak more in depth and break that down a little bit more later on in this podcast. But I want to go to the second part of the radio program that I listened to where they were trying to excuse the fact that there was a delay on the part of the police to enter the building to confront the shooter. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that any delay in confronting the shooter can be deadly with more people getting shot and killed. Notoriously, this happened in the Parkland, Florida shooting back on February 14th, 2018 at Stoneman Douglas High School. And I want to read an excerpt from the Sun Sentinel about that whole situation. At the top of the article, it says, when he raced to the scene of the Parkland school shooting, Lieutenant Craig Cardinal was a concerned cop and a frantic father desperate to find his son. As the Sunrise officer sprinted up to the gate, he encountered several Broward Sheriff deputies already there. Hey, be careful. The guy's got a rifle, one of them told him. Don't go in, another warned. Later on down the article, it says, it's been widely known that the deputy assigned to the school, Scott Peterson, who was the first armed police officer on the scene, did not rush in and confront the 19-year-old gunman. Several deputies are waiting outside. They're hearing all the shots. They're warning other people not to go in. Meanwhile, in the high school, Many people are getting shot. When it was all said and done, 17 people died from that mass shooting incident. My big question is, why the delay? Again, whenever there is a delay, when it comes to confronting a mass shooter, then more people get shot and killed. When the incident is more sensationalistic, with more people being killed, more carnage, than those that are for gun control, they have a bigger platform to stand on. They feel more justified and their point is being made with, you know, many exclamation points behind it. So in the King Super shooting, there is yet another delay and these radio hosts are now trying to justify why there was a delay to enter into the building and to confront the shooter. And I just submit it to you for you to think about, for you to pray about, and those delays do serve the gun control position. I do believe that I'm a watchman on the wall. I feel like God does alert me to things. He gives me discernment about things. And so I share. And I want to say this in the most loving, gentle way possible. I think this is a day and age that we really need to wise up. We need to wake up. We need to have our eyes open to see the falsehood, deception, evil, around us. Not to overly focus on it because ultimately we need to focus on Jesus, but we do need to be aware of it. 
we can't stick our head in the sand and we can't be naive about the different people in our world today because some mean to do us harm and they may not be crazy like mentally ill but they're actually planning out ways to hurt people ways to gain power ways to gain control ways to manipulate their whole networks of people who are doing that right now. And so we have to strike this balance between hoping for the best, believing the best in people, but also recognizing that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and to not be ignorant of his schemes. So we are living in the end times, and the tares are growing up into their fullness. As Christians, we need to accept the fact there are tares in the world. There are tares in our church. There are sons of darkness that are out to do people harm. Trust me, I highly respect those people who want to believe the best about others, that nobody's a lost cause, that we could all be rehabilitated. As a general principle, that's how we should be as Christians. But we also need to be aware and discerning. God tells us to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So we can be on the alert. We can ask questions. We can avoid danger. The Bible also shares the prudent man sees the danger ahead of him and he hides himself. So we need to have that kind of awareness in today's world. To wisely navigate a situation, you must first be able to accurately assess the situation. What is actually going on? What is happening? Not how people are presenting the situation, but what is actually happening. As mentioned before, I have been following the whole Muslim migration to the West And a lot of it was because of the war-torn situations in some of the Middle Eastern countries. So people did have to flee. But then a lot of people entered into those Muslim migration waves as economic refugees. It wasn't like they were fleeing from dire situations or war-torn countries, but they wanted to find a better life. And a lot of the West, especially the European countries, promised a lot of benefits to those who would come to Europe. The thing is, most of the refugees that came into Europe during those first massive waves, upwards of 75 to 80% of them were fighting age men. Even though we want to believe the best about people, that should cause us some concern. A lot of these governments that took in these massive amounts of Muslim refugees, they were saying that there wasn't a way to properly vet them to know who was actually coming into their countries. ISIS was still around at that time, and ISIS was boasting that they had operatives entering into these Western nations through these Muslim migration waves. In the U.S., 99% of the refugees coming from the Middle East were Muslim. Even though Christians were also in danger, they were also fleeing these countries, they were a tiny percentage of those allowed to enter into the U.S., I don't share these things to get people mad at the Muslims. And now we need to rise up and get them out of our country. I'm not saying that at all. But I am sharing these things just to show you the reality of the situation. Muslims have been known to be radicalized in the U.S., And there are such things as training facilities for Muslims and what is known as sleeper cells. And those are people who remain inactive until they are called upon to act. We need to be aware. But we also need to be aware that there are thousands of Muslims dying every day without Jesus. And they need to know our Lord and Savior. And they need to know the love of God. We have a remarkable opportunity to reach out to the Muslims that we see around us in our everyday lives. The enemy would want to take this opportunity and use it to stir up hate and suspicion and fear 
within all of us so that we come against one another. And this is how it's been done in other countries as well. They pit two or more groups of people against one another, so it destabilizes the country. Jesus famously said in Mark 3, starting from verse 24, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. They want to pit people against one another. But it all starts with something called multiculturalism. That's when they want to put all these different groups of people together to coexist. And some of those groups of people, they are in conflict with one another because their ideologies conflict. So those powerful people behind the scenes that are playing chess with all of our lives and moving us to this place or that place as pawns, they want to create this sort of conflict between ethnic groups. And so we come back to Jesus's prophecy in Matthew 24, where he talks about the signs of the times and he talks about what will happen before he comes back. And in verse seven, it says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now that word nation, in the original Greek is ethnos. So ethnos, ethnic group, will rise up against ethnic group. So in other words, there will be an increasing conflict between ethnic groups. So as Christians, how shall we deal with this rising conflict? I just want to look at a passage in Romans 12, starting from verse 14. And it really speaks to our situation here. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. And then going on to verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Carefully consider what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. Do not avenge yourselves, beloved, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is where the rubber meets the road. And this is why sometimes the word is described as this double-edged sword, because it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. And I know that for myself, this passage is very crucifying because I haven't been the best at obeying because I know that I've had my own personal quote unquote enemies, people that I have felt have come against me or tried to undermine me, sabotage me. I haven't responded in the best possible way. But I know that because this is the word of God, that I have to come to that place where I love the truth and embrace the truth, no matter how sharp and pointy that truth can be, I have to embrace it. And we all do. So I'm encouraging myself and everyone else to come in the opposite spirit. Obviously, the enemy wants to divide and conquer. So we need to learn how to build bridges and reach out to people, not build bridges to the point where we compromise our truth and our faith and what we know of God and his character. But we're building bridges of relationship and seeking to reach out to people and love them, but also share the truth that is in the gospel of Jesus. Jesus Christ. And as I was thinking about this whole Muslim situation, reflecting upon my past, I haven't had the best attitude towards Muslims because, again, I feel like I'm a watchman on the wall. So whenever danger is approaching, I want to sound the alarm and warn people of that danger. But on the flip side of that, I haven't really seen the humanity of the Muslims, both here and abroad. I really only know of one person who works closely with the Muslims in a Middle Eastern country, and she has really helped to change my views. 
on the Muslim people and to recognize that those refugees that live in that country, that they're going through a lot of struggles and that they are open to relationship. They are open to share Jesus stories. They are open to learning more. Um, They're open to friendship. So we need to recognize that maybe the people in America are also open to relationship and friendship and to not alienate them or seek to isolate them by rejecting them because they are strangers to our land. And they are people who are ripe for the harvest because they have gone through so many hard things. I also was meditating on the story of Jonah and how God called Jonah to preach to Nineveh. And Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian empire and the Assyrians were especially brutal to their captives and victims. I mean, they would torture and kill many people. They would burn down their cities. They would deport their captives to other parts of their kingdom and replace those captives with Assyrians so that they would be absorbed into their Assyrian empire without any kind of national identity. So a lot of that sounds like some things that are happening in our modern day. And Jonah did not want to preach to them because he knew how merciful God was. And so he knew that if he preached repentance to them, that they may repent, even though they were this brutal people. He was concerned that his beloved nation would be taken over by the Assyrians and absorbed into their empire. And many people would call Jonah, in our modern day language, a nationalist, a patriot. And many people feel proud to be called that, to call themselves that in America. And as they should be, because America has been an awesome country. So there's nothing wrong with loving your nation. But at the same time, as people of God, this is ultimately not our home, that we are pilgrims, just like Abraham, we live in tents, and we're looking for the city whose founder and builder is God. And that will be the new Jerusalem. So we are citizens of a different land and we are marked by his character and we need to reflect his mercy and his love towards the people around us, no matter how hard are trying. And that's what's going to set us apart from others. I just think of the love of God because a lot of these humanists in our world today, they want to erase the bad parts of Islam. In other words, they want to whitewash those bad things. They want to call Islam a peaceful religion so that we could all feel good about it and we would open our arms and reach out to these people. But God's love, I was meditating on this, is so much stronger than that. He sees us at our worst. He sees the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, he loves us incredibly. He, he loved us enough to die on the cross for our sins, but he calls sin, sin. So he doesn't whitewash anything regarding us or our lives. And he doesn't really want us to whitewash anything regarding Islam. He's not asking us to do that, but he is asking us to love the way that he loves. We don't need to be in denial about the the bad, the dangerous, the violent elements of Islam. We don't need to call it a peaceful religion. We can call it for what it is, but we can love them the way that God loves them. He loved us even while we were yet enemies. And we were the ones collectively that put Jesus on the cross. And yet Jesus said, forgive them for they do not know what they do. That's what God told Jonah about the Ninevites, that they were this grand city. And he basically said that these people do not know their right hand from their left. So 
I hope that through this podcast message, I really did share a genuinely biblical perspective on what's happening with this particular situation, but also a balanced perspective, because I know that on many of these topics, people either fall to one side or the other. And we need to bridge the gap because oftentimes the truth is found in the middle. And that's why we are the body of Christ, because we need one another to find that balance and to find that truth. Thank you for listening. Until next time.